Good evening, Misfits. You are tuning in to a very special edition Misfit podcast. 22.2 has been announced. Sherb V. Hunter has gone down. And before we get started, I have a little bit of a rant that has nothing to do with 22.2. Nothing? Nothing to do with 22.2. And potentially... Is it Kanye related? It is not Kanye related. Uh, that was, that might um, be that. All right, I'm out of here. <laughs> so as most people know, the same ownership group that owns Misfit Athletics also owns Sharpen the Axe. Over the course of the last year, it has been a very challenging for us to work with our factories in different places to source items. A lot of people within the community, a lot of people that are going to be watching this podcast, a lot of people that are not going to be watching this podcast have continued to support Sharpen the Axe in a way that means a lot to every, absolutely everybody involved. Next week, we are dropping Coach's Pants. Okay, we're dropping six different colors of the Coach's Pants. Normally, we would have collections. We would have different colors based on different collections and sort of, you know, work the supply and demand model pretty, pretty standard for for an apparel company. Because you guys have stuck with us, we are releasing all six colors, the entire inventory. We're dropping all of it. Um, we do still have the Yoggers and Joggers in the works. Those are be co- going to be coming down the pipeline. Um, but it was really important for us to get those in-house and get them out to you guys. Um, the next thing that is attached to this release that'll be on the, on the 9th on Wednesday um, is because it is the coach's pant and because it is the open, we wanted to highlight our local affiliate. Uh, one of the requests that we've gotten in the past is I'd love to get some misfit gym gear. Do I have to actually travel all the way to Maine to get it? Now the answer is no. With that drop, you will see if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook or wherever, if you are watching instead of listening, you will see some of the stuff that, um, the three amigos are wearing right now. Um, so again, sharpentheaxeco.com, the ninth. Thank you so much for the support as we figured all this out with this crazy world that we're dealing with. Um, also, between today and Monday, you can use the code 22.2 for 15% off in the store. Normally, the discount codes are 10%. During the open, we like to pump things up 15%. That is the number two, the number two, the letters P-O-I-N-T, and then the number two. That will get you 15% off. All right. All right. Open time. Now it's open time. So what we do at the beginning of these podcasts, once there has been an actual open workout, is we like to talk about the Misfit Leaderboard. Now, if you haven't added yourself, if you follow the programming and you haven't added yourself, make sure you go to your dashboard on games.crossfit.com and add the hashtag Misfit Athlete. That is going to put you on this leaderboard and you're going to be entered in for free prizes every week. So we're going to start with the Misfit Women, 1 through 20. Caroline Connors, Sonia Mori, Annie Hardy, Annie Hardy, Annie Hannah Hardy, <laughs> She'll fight Paige Semenza, Alexis Johnson, Jessica Donna, Hugh, Shaylin Lore, Ashley Corby, Sophie Shaft, Allison Carley, Julie Pettit Lane, hey, another local. Misfit Gym local, Miriam Hazlitt, Alex, I don't know if it's Mueller or Miller, and I should know this. But I do not. Pretty sure it's Mueller. We don't know. Bueller. Blair Cheney, Lexi Colabianchi, Jenna Michelotti, Christina Colvin, Nicole Dubois, Ashley Michael, and Francesca Horez. Horez. I'm very sorry. (laughs) Um, All right. Who wants the honors? 
I'll take. Go ahead, the, I'll take the ladies. You got a little. Uh, you got. You got to show that logo to the camera right old now. Old school. You got a little old school. A little old clue school action. Pour clue. the little shout out. Pour out. That was a drum roll. <laughs> that was very nice. That was I like that horn. Thanks. <laughs> We've got Blair Cheney. Chill. Blair Cheney. Please email Jen, J-E-N-N, at misfitathletics.com with your sizes and your address, and we will get a prize pack out to you. Congratulations to all the misfits that crushed 22.1, and especially the top 20. A lot of teenagers on that list, too. A lot of teenagers on on that list. list. Misfit men, Luka Jukic. Austin Spencer, Roy Gamboa, Marshall Creed, Brad Miller, Chris Colvin, Holly Holgerson, Brent Proctor, Sam Coltharp, Ryan Cormier or Cormier, Ross Bradley, Hunter Wood with the pebble. It says the pebble. Yeah. Um, Eric Libardoni. My name's not in that shaker bottle. I swear. No <laughs> chance it is, bro. <laughs> Some someone that is obviously as famous as Cher. It just says Sherb. Cher. <laughs> That's right. Don't forget it. Damn, you're so famous. You only get a, you only get one name. Paolo like, Ferletta, Eamon Nabil, Mike Olivas, Taylor Sanders, Zach Fowler, Alex Carrillo, Xander. It just says Xander once again. Very it's famous. Like one yeah. name. And Brody Scott. Who's Chew. more famous, nice. Xander or Sherb? Xander. In the Misfit community. In the Misfit community, sure. But out in public, Xander knows like a lot of strangers that walk by and more than places. I do. Right, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yep. All right. So since you're the most famous one named misfit, we got you <laughs> get the honors for the men. You want to do that drum roll one more yeah. time? Pebble coming in hot. <laughs> There's no chance I'm pulling Pebble out of here. Come on. Come on, Pebble. Taylor Saunders. Congratulations. Taylor Saunders. Email Jen, J-E-N-N at misfitathletics.com with your sizes and your address so we can get you some free stuff swag nice job everyone again hashtag misfit athlete to your leaderboards in your dashboard at games.crossfit.com and you can be added retroactively and we'll we'll go in and make sure to give you that shout out last but not least discord.gg forward slash misfit athletics we've got an open chat going um maybe some uh early access to those coaches pants in the misfit gym uh, collection. So, all right. A lot of good chatter in there. You don't want to miss out. A lot of people talking about strategies and how they broke things up. And I think there are a decent amount of people who learned from others' experiences in that Discord channel. So, if you're someone who's like nerding out trying to find the tips and tricks to get a better score, that's the place to be. And one more Discord note for our Team Misfit affiliates: you can get on the Team Misfit Discord. That's more kind of closed to just the uh, the affiliates who follow the programming. Yep. But you can get on get that link. Same idea, folks. That's where we kind of post some of the open tips, tips and tricks for like affiliate level athletes. So make sure you're getting in that Team Misfit affiliate Discord too. And how do they get into that Discord? Do uh, they get that's on so on teammisfit.com. Once you click download my program, that's the kind of page that's hidden for subscribers. It is right on top of that. Um, also should be, we'll make sure that it's on that kind of SugarWad announcements portion for affiliates who are subscribed through SugarWad. Speaking of the affiliates, 
there's a rumor that uh, we had five rounds of eight day. deadlifts at the exact same way in eight bar facing burpees on Tuesday. Tuesday's workout was five rounds of eight and eight. It was originally five de- eight deadlifts and eight burpee box jump overs, but we made the adjustment because of the box jumps in last week. Fair. And so we had a... Good, good old primer day on, <laughs> on Tuesday. All right. So without giving too much away, 22.2 Hunter v. Sherb. Uh, it is two to, to nothing. The pebble reigns supreme. Currently. What, do you guys, what, what do you guys think about super high level? What do you guys think about this workout? It's a good test. To me, the uh, <laughs> the pacing is the, the the goat again in this type of this workout. It feels has a little bit of a similar vibe to last week's open workout in terms of like you have to know what pace you can hold from start to finish and read the workout accordingly. Cause you know, you watch Lord start the workout as if it were a five minute workout instead of a close to 10 minute workout. So knowing yourself is going to be key in this piece specifically when you should break up deadlifts or how you should pace your burpees. But, um, it's, it's a sneaky, sneaky test because no set bigger than 10 feels terrible. I mean, no one's going to be like, Oh man, I can't hang on for all 10 but is that the right choice? So to me, it's a lot about knowing who you are as an athlete and knowing where you need to turn things on and where you need to be a little bit more like a holding the throttle back just a bit. Yeah. Understanding that like the, I would, I think it's like half the reps are within the, you know, eight, nine, 10, nine, eight portion means that you don't win the workout on the front, basically leading up to, or through that really the only place <clears throat> to stomp the gas is kind of whether you get down to the coming back down, however, whatever, whatever fitness level you are, whether it's, you know, MFT athlete, maybe you go pretty hard for that six, five, four, three, two, one right. on the back half. For me, it was four, three, two, one, but high level it's, it remains no standing around season. There's like, we're going to talk, obviously the number of personalizations we can attach to this workout, but all of them come down to don't stand around. Agreed. Really hammering that point home so far in the open. <laughs> you can't stand around. Can't stand around. Ever. Do a lot we had a like- few people on the on the workout live stream say sure, but it's no standing around season, but then also comment, I stand around. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Solidarity. Yeah. We're in this together. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right, let's talk warm up. So by now, most of the people listening to this know about our sweat check. Uh, people who need very specific instructions, we're going five minutes at a heart rate of 160 minus your age, five minutes at 165 minus your age, and then five minutes at 180 minus your age. And that, and in that five, that final five minutes we're building, right? We're mm. at no point during a warm up do we want like this big jolt to the system when we're building into, you know, getting sort of just underneath that threshold. This week, even though you know, we sort of just say, you know, use whatever machine you want. We don't really recommend a 15 minute run before a workout like this, but you could snag a five minute section, hmm. either walking or light jogging. That would not be a big deal. We are asking for that final five minutes this week to be on the ski erg. Um, one of the things we're going to cover more as we go through this warm up is this concept of getting spinal fluid and getting blood into these areas that are a bit more congested within the body. When we get to the wrist and the elbow and the shoulder, all these joints. And that includes, you know, sort of that joint when we're looking at that L5 S1 area in the low back and the lower half of the lumbar spine into the sacrum. It can be challenging for a lot of people to get that area warm. So we want to make sure that we're focusing on that. And one of the ways to sort of inch up to it and make sure that we're doing it in an iterative process before any deadlifts happen is that five minutes of below threshold skiing. 
Yeah, a lot of people think that they just jump on an instantaneous. If I'm on the machine for two or three minutes, like that's good enough. And I would argue that you and I probably warmed up for not enough time, you know, just with the announcement, trying to get on Instagram live as best we could. But if you have the luxury of taking extra time, I would say 15 minutes is kind of like the bare minimum amount of time to get that blood flow because a lot of these areas to, to access the tissue, like extensibility you need to be able to move through hand to do lots of high rep deadlifts and knowing that like maybe your positioning is not gonna be perfect from start to finish. Or if you do have some burpees that are, you know, a little bit lazy, you want to make sure that you've kind of buffered against that by making sure those tissues are ready for that stress they're going to put on them because the opening and closing the hip that occurs in this workout can be damning if you don't take the time to do that. So while a lot of people are going to instantly think like, all right, I'll get my you know kettlebell out. I'll do some swings. I'll, I'll do some RDLs. I might run a little bit and that's good enough. That's, that's not going to be enough in this piece. So, you know, I think the bare minimum is 15 minutes on a machine. Um, I think you can extend that out even longer if you want, but you'd that start first at a five gentler, minute window. Yeah. That first five minute window, you know, building from what the body likes is 100 beats nice, per minute and then gradual. 105 and then 110 and then 115. You're letting it know that we're slowly sending more blood out to different areas. When we panic, it's going to send it straight to your legs. And that's why people complain on the C2 bike. My legs hurt. My heart rate's not up. So we're, we're trying to force a situation where there's absolutely no panic within the body until it's time to let the body. And I know. had, I had a little bit of that going on into this workout. And it, again, it could have been the, the making the joke earlier about having done a similar workout earlier in the week with affiliate class, but I did notice right around the seven and eight on the way up that all of a sudden, like the step up on the burpee started to feel a little laborious with my like, like left leg. Cause I tend to do my step up burpees kind of the same leg every single time. Yep. I just don't have the same mobility left to right hip. So I stepped forward with my left leg and I still started to notice that like, like low ass, high hamstring, like burn in there. And I think really do think that's attributed to maybe not taking enough time to make sure those tissues were prepped for that range of motion that you need right. to be able to bring that foot forward. Because you, you think about the hinging that you need for deadlifts, but a lot of times you don't think about the hinging you need for a burpee. And they're very, very similar in terms of like the amount of range of motion. You need might actually have more range of motion with that burpee. So, you know, checking the box. I mean, I can get into a good deadlift setup. It's not enough. It's can you get yourself into a good burpee setup if you're going to be stepping up the entire time in this workout? Yeah. If, if you, if warming up, if like the, Hey, a 20 second assault break bike sprint completely cold is like the equivalent of like a shock, the, the legs shock, the lungs sort of thing that's amplified even further when we're talking about joints, joints, tendons, ligaments, as far as blood flow goes, it takes a lot longer to get blood circulating deep into those tissues. And especially with the low back and the spine, which is like inherently much more sensitive to shock and trauma, just given that it's like you're, it's essentially protecting your your entire spinal column if you are not getting blood circulating to that low back to that that synovial fluid into those 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 areas and you start going ham on on a hunt what's going to be a hundred deadlifts for right. a lot of people listening to this you are asking for a for shock and awe and not the not the kind that you want in this workout so last week basically line item specific mobility and activation. We had a very traditional triplet last week, the type of time domain where, you know, you're never going to end up in that insane heart rate zone or, you know, getting into the the types of positions that we're worried about this week. So what you're going to see in the warm up this week underneath that line item is we really need this to include high rep, low resistance hip hinging. So some ideas for that. We have the banded good mornings. I saw Sherb working on those. Um, I'm talking very light band. 
and really sort of slowly loading into that position and slowly working into what might be closer to your deadlift cadence as you work across sets or if you do a big set because the band is so light, that's fine. But we want to get to a point where that feels really smooth and we're in nice active positions. Like I didn't see Sherb over there sticking his head between his knees. He was, you know, he was hinging. He was getting into really good positions. Um, I'm a big fan for a lot of athletes that struggle to get a little bit lower and get the hamstrings activated, the double dumbbell RDL. Mm. Um, There's something about the way that you can really sort of reach independently with those to really get down into those positions. Um, And then if you have the luxury of a reverse hyper, there's, there's not many things that are better at creating that scenario, but we do want to drop it all the way down to, you know, whatever 25% or less of your one rep max back squat. So, and, and if you don't have a, a reverse hyper at your gym, I mean, you can kind of uh, reverse engineer this type of stuff with like a GHD. If you lay stomach down on a GHD and let your legs kind of tuck under you, you might be able to stick your legs straight out. You might have to bend your knee to be able to do that, but you can kind of get like a little knee tuck underneath the GHD pad yep. and then reach up. And again, you might not have that same pendulum nice effect that a, a reverse hyper would have, but you can at least create some of that, that gapping that does help pu- push some of that synovial fluid into your lower back so that you're not pumping out, you know, on the way up on... <laughs> Rep very, five. very strong recommend on the reverse hyper or, you know, like you said, a kind of custom handmade version of that with a GHD. Yep. If you don't know what that is, look, look it up on YouTube. It's great, definitely a game machine. changer. Yeah. We need to check in on the hip flexors within this workout. We get so many people in the community that have, you know, that, I mean, honestly, it's both directions. It's, it's really just dysfunction within the, the pelvis itself sitting underneath the spine. Anterior tilt. Anterior tilt, posterior tilt. We have other people like myself after a car accident, one side is forward and back. one yeah. side's more forward when it comes to that. I will warn people, though, uh, a lot of static stretching before the type of workout where we need tension is not great. So one, this is one of those things where if you get into a, you know, a, a couch stretch type of position and you notice how tight you are, that is either systematic, an issue that we need to address over the course of a long period of time, or it could have to do with what is your warm up like? It could have to do with what did you do yesterday? Did you really flush? Did you really do your mobility after you flushed? And think about that sort of thing. I know it's a little bit late for that, but we do want to check in on those hip flexors because the good thing is after a warm up, you check in on those. You go and you know do your glute activation. You go through that warm up stuff. You go through the primary, start to get into the deadlifts, and you might be able to go back and forth and check on this. Give yourself a little bit of peace of mind, realizing that as you iterate all the way down the line, that you can really start to open up your hips without getting into you know sort of that static stretch position. Um, primer, we do want to make sure that we sort of stomp the gas pedal a little bit before this workout. Um, it's funny watching you guys. It didn't seem like the type of gas workout where, you know, you're going to get Fran long or something like that, but it is a gas workout. It's absolutely a capacity workout. There's just so much similarity between, you know, the, the, the midline, you know, what happens over the course of a hundred deadlifts and then what people typically don't think about when they're closing their hip, talk about hip flexor and, and getting into those positions. Um, but this is a gas workout. So we got 400 meter row at a moderate pace, five burpee box jump overs at a moderate pace. Then we're really stomping on the gas, just five burpee box jump overs really hard into 200 meters on the row. From there, we're going to start to, to warm up our deadlift. And we had a, a little bit of a powwow <clears throat> before the podcast talking about this. And this depends so much on the athlete, 
how much you listen to us so far within your warm up, really trying to figure out what's going on here, because this could be a handful of deadlifts working up the line, good to go. Or this could be five deadlifts, ride the assault bike for a minute or two to make sure, again, your legs are firing, your glutes are firing. Then you go back to it. If things aren't feeling good, things are feeling a little crunchy, it's going to be an issue mid-workout. You can take more time if that's the case. Exactly. crunchy don't, going into it, you didn't take enough time. Yeah, yeah don't, this, don't rush that. And again, the primer with a workout like this, you know, we can go upwards of 10 minutes after the primer. So if your deadlift warm up needs a little bit more time and you need to go through that, it's, it's not that big of a deal. And also do it before. I, I don't know if, I don't know if you would agree on that, but like if you, if you're, if the deadlift is like that movement for you that you really need the time to like grease the groove, you can spend the time doing that a little bit before. Once you feel good about that, hit the primer to jack yep. your heart rate and then kind of settle it down and then feel like you're ready to ready to roll. So yep. different ways to approach that warm up, but uh, overall it's like if it feels crunchy, not, not literally crunchy, but if the groove Might. isn't greased, <laughs> yes. maybe, maybe, maybe it did. Hold maybe my seltzer. Maybe it's literal <laughs> crunch, but if, if the groove isn't greased, I can, go over, I can go back next go door back, and make some noises. Go back. Uh, I don't know if you were going to touch on this, but the, uh, the, the primer specifically has, it's not going to look probably the same way you just described it kind of to the member, the, uh, the followers here where it's like, no, I didn't. It is row. written that oh, way on the like, blog. Yes. I say it's very clear that you're supposed to do that first row at a nice, like, you know, challenging but steady pace. You do your five every box jump overs that kind of like get off the rower and get moving. Um, but as you're kind of crossing the chasm of going over to your fourth and fifth burpee, it's like someone flips a switch. Yep. So prepare yourself to to have that gear so that when you get into the back half of this workout and you do hit that point that Hunter talked about a few minutes ago where you know it's go time, you can flip that switch and what better way to do that than kind of practicing that ahead of the workout in the primer. We got to remember too, like we get, we get quite, we've got a lot of questions recently in, in the discord specifically about primers. And it's like, Hey, I'm by the time the workout gets announced, like I I'm going to see the workout getting announced. And then, so I figure I'm going to do a couple of rounds of the workout to get a feel for it. And, and I was like, like, well, maybe that, that might work in some workouts, but certainly not others. This is not the kind of workout where I would say, Hey, do 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 three rounds of four and four or something like that. It's like the the purpose of the primer is to tell your body like, hey, it's it's about ready to go. It's like it's go time. Jack the heart rate up, but we don't need to be pulling a whole bunch of additional deadlifts. You're no, about to do no. north of, you know, at least hopefully 80 or so. Uh, so don't think of a primer as like I need to replicate the workout exactly or do a practice round or something like that. That's not the purpose. All right. So getting into the workout nitty gritty, uh, we're going to use the same framework. We're going to go over strategy, movement, and mindset. When it comes to strategy, last week was very much your transitions have to be super fast and we're just going to burp or we're going to box jump over at a pace that allows us to, to make sure that that happens. Um, this week is one of the, you know, the type of workout where I would have three or four strategies in my back pocket as a coach to get ready to talk to athletes. Uh, the first strategy is the simplest one. It's for very specific athletes. It's athletes at a very high level that like these movements. This workout is unbroken for them straight through. And I think we learned a little bit from from Laura shooting out of a cannon. There, you're not going to make up that much time with those movements where 
you're going to be able to, you know, sort of get ahead of that so far, if, if that makes any sense. So, so mm-hmm. she was three minutes or so through the nines and then 10 back down to one was five and change or six and change. It was six. six, yeah, and change. It was six she was like it was, three forty through the change. nine. Yeah. Um, some, some workouts there it's worth almost like banking time. Exactly. Up front. Yeah. This ain't one of them. No. Right. What's what's interesting about it though is it still is a bit of controlled chaos. There's no, there's it's just, no. It's smooth because because of the number of transitions early on. It's like one one two two. It's like you feel like you're like, am I even working out or am I just like getting down, standing right. up, exactly. picking it up? There's the chaos, but it's still, it's still you know that controlled, controlled reach, controlled, yeah. you know that controlled pace. Absolutely. So n- we're gonna go over the rest of it. For everyone, um, we don't want to make it seem else. like it's just like, there you go, you have it. Check. Like, I really do, I am going to be paying attention to if I get to watch an athlete, uh, a games level athlete go in person, I'm going to be paying very close attention to their body language, be paying close attention to that first time that the workout kind of little, little slap back and forth. Hey, hey, we're here. Welcome to this workout. If that's happening early, it's going to be, hey, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. We're going to get an opportunity. Like, even Hunter watching you, I think you could have. I think like if this was, I don't know, some huge deal for you, you could have stomped the gas pedal by, at like five and five. Yeah, I like think that. that that's the only thing I would have You went done. from like this workout's hard to you just decided it was easy and then it looked easy. Yeah, I think it was. Now, obviously, yeah, if you yeah. do it way too early, then that's just yeah, that's I way think, worse. <laughs> yeah, I think but we'll maybe get to talking about the end at which point you know, at what point for what athlete you try to turn the gas on. I think looking back, yeah, I could have, I could have done that with starting at the fives, like the last 15 reps of each as opposed to the fours. But, um, yeah. So for these athletes, for the, that top tier, um, the, the, you know, tier one is what we'll call it for this specific workout. The light at the end of the tunnel is still, that still matters. Like if, if we're saying it's controlled chaos, it is not controlled yeah. chaos when you know when you're like meh i'm good this yeah you're not so this is one of those workouts where you should know roughly how many reps are left when you get to a certain stage yeah. so that probably you know, gonna happen in six five or four yeah you know what your number is where you can turn that on for some athletes that might be like i need to survive through the round of six deadlifts and then i can send it some of you might be like i need to survive through the six burpees and then i can send it because some athletes may be looking at that. I mean, like I'm still not super confident with one of these two movements. So maybe I'll kind of be controlled through that one and then turn it on. I, to, the thing I want to make sure my athletes know is when you are at this rep of the workout, you have this percentage of the workout left, or you've done this many reps already. And here's what's left. So you can kind of compartmentalize that and think about, all right, I've already done 80% of the work. And even though I'm feeling terrible at, you know, five, four, three, two, one, I only have 15 reps of each movement left. That's 30 reps of a 200 rep workout. Like I can almost finish this thing now. Yeah, in the same in the same way that you don't you don't necessarily bank time or shouldn't try to be banking time on the front end of the workout. You can actually I, I think I probably could have shaved, I could have been closer to nine minutes had I stomped the gas in like around maybe I did the six deadlifts the same way, but then I could have six burpees and then yeah. like you said, five, four, three, two, one and saved saved a handful of seconds with the transition yeah. dropping my, the bar, moving faster on the burpees. My tier two strategy is based on very much on watching your body language. I think you can finish this workout with a plenty of time to spare by breaking up your deadlifts into two sets from, you know, roughly seven, even back to seven on the other side. I think somewhere in that seven, eight range, 
both on the way up and then matching it on the way down just gives you that extra second to take a breath brace properly and pick that deadlift back up. And what that allows for is for these people that we know that don't love deadlifts, you get off the burpee, you're going to want to wait and then go unbroken. Mm. I need your hands on the bar. Don't I need your that. hands on the barbell. I need four breathe brace three. That is going to give you a much better score and be much more manageable in this workout. So, um, if you're someone who doesn't like deadlifts, it's odds are it's because that time under tension just fries you. So it makes no sense for you to take take a whole bunch of time between that last burpee and then put your hands on the bar and do the set unbroken. The right. me, that metabolic demand is just it. It, you, yeah, maybe you get the deadlift set done faster and start to get to your burpees, but what happens next? And it's not good. So be okay with dropping the bar and turning it, trying to avoid turning it into like a muscular overload workout and exactly. keep it in that like cardio kind of gas realm where yeah. you're not, where you're not forced to stop and you're choosing to instead. An important point about this half of this strategy is you've decided that this is okay before you start this workout. Unplanned and prolonged breaks within these workouts aren't going to work very well for you. So knowing going into it that this is something, you know, hey, I want to finish this workout. Well, I just watched Hunter go and he finished it with plenty of time to spare and he broke up his deadlift. So that's obviously not that big of a deal. Now, the other side of this strategy is we have to talk about how and when do you change your footwork on your burpee and what does that look like? Because you both had two completely separate burpees within this workout. Yeah, I would say early on the the burpee, because like Hunter said, it feels kind of silly at the beginning of the workout where you're just kind of like laying down, get up, lay down, pull, lay down, get up, like just going around and around. It feels kind of easy. You can get trapped into doing a burpee pace that might be a little bit faster than is necessary and easier to kind of, you know, what we want to see from an athlete, which is stay low the entire time doing those burpees. It's easy when there's you know, a set of one or a set of two or three or four. But as the set started to increase, I could feel myself beginning to pop further and further and further up. And it started to change because that would bring me further around and away from the barbell as I turned around, begin to slow down my transitions between reps. So I really do think that you need to know going into the workout that this is my controlled burpee pace. I know that if whether I'm doing 15 burpees or hundred burpees, I can kind of stay at one pace the entire time. And then knowing that when you get to the point where you decide to make it, you know, I'm going to fucking finish this thing because it's almost over. Then you can kind of turn the gears on and say, all right, now I can kind of do that like surfer style where you jump at a 45 and go over the, and go over the bar. But you have to be confident that you don't do that too soon. Cause like we said, what's the point of turning on at seven and then getting stuck kind of standing around through the three, two and one to finish. Truth. With the burpees, um, we're, we're going to cover movement efficiency here in a second, but to do a burpee well, we have to sort of get the, the burpee portion of it done at once, right? Yes. yes. So, so when, you're, when you're warming up for this workout and you're thinking about, okay, here's my step burpee, here is my jump burpee, um, you just, it's, it's important to know that, that that footwork that you're doing is the only place that it makes any sense to slow down or speed up. You can, you can make up or lose a lot of time with good or poor footwork, like minimizing the number of steps. We talked a little bit about it with the box jump overs last week. Any kind of additional unnecessary movement in this workout, I would say might, might hurt you more 
in this workout right. than say last workout, just because probably more from a muscular perspective, you start doing something wonky on your burpees. You only step up with one foot. I don't, I, Oops. and I, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I know some of you all do that. And I, I wish that that would be part of like people's training is to like practice. I always try to tell affiliate athletes like, Hey, pick a landmark in the gym. And when you do your pivot, always pivot in that direction. And odds are that will that will force you one. It's not going to, it's going to make you not dizzy just going around in a circle, but it'll probably make you step up with the other foot so that you're not getting some weird fucking rotation in your hips actively creating like a hip imbalance. Yeah. Sort of goes back a, to that warm a, up, and exactly. it's not what we want. Well, I also noticed deadlift. as I went through this too, early on, I can kind of jump and there's no two foot takeoff, two foot landing. You just couldn't step over your bar. But early on, I could feel like the jump being kind of in unison, both feet leave the ground at the same time, roughly and land at the same time. And as I got into the, I don't know, fucking ragdoll part of the workout where I was feeling sorry for myself. There was the a threes on of, the way up. There was I, a lot of like, there was a lot of like jump, right foot's off the ground, <laughs> left foot's sort of coming around later on. And then it was definitely like, it wasn't a step, but it was a much more pronounced delay between my two feet taking off the ground. Right. And what I noticed happened then is that I started to have lazier rotations as I went to turn around and face the bar. And all of a sudden, my burpee, instead of laying down with my head being an inch away from the barbell, now I'm two to five inches away from the barbell, which means that when you pop up from your last burpee, you get ready to do your deadlift. Now you have to step up and take a couple steps towards your bar, which seems like nothing. But when you're doing 100 deadlifts and 100 burpees, it's a really easy way to add on, I don't know. 15, 20 seconds across the entire workout. And I don't think I could have finished with 20 more seconds, but it would have been really, really close. And that that little detail, which feels like nothing in the moment, ends up adding up across the entire 10 minute window. Get your footwork dialed in for both your jump burpee and your step up burpee. Practice both legs long before this workout starts. Um, and again, the footwork itself is what's going to dictate your pacing. Um, the, the, the tier three, the team misfit crowd, the man, we might, you know, nine, if the, the wind, workout, if the wind is at North Northwest at six knots, we're at, maybe we're at nine minutes and 59 seconds. Um, probably a 10 minute AMRAP for most people. I think at, at that point, we got to make sure that someone is near you. If you're taking this seriously, someone is near you that knows what three sets in your deadlifts looks like on a seven and an eight and a nine, nine's kind of easy. Um, but you do a set of four and then who knows what you're going to do after that. <laughs> Hopefully three, two, but, um, so, so we want to know what those look like so that again, this workout can be a down up burpee with pacing on step up through that rotation and dropping down into your next burpee. Because in these chunks, especially if you're following team misfit program, we, we, we do this stuff a lot. We, we hit this energy system a lot. We hit muscular overload pieces a lot and you can do one to 10 and back down to one in burpees at a moderate pace. I'm convinced like absolutely no matter what 100%. I would be more worried with an athlete that had mobility issues from getting up off the ground, sort of that hip and lower back mobility. I think that would be more of an issue for a lot of athletes than if you pace this properly with your footwork and break up a bunch of the sets of deadlifts into threes. I think, I think affiliate level athletes can crush this workout. Yeah. I think that for the affiliate recommendation is like, Hey, the burpee is your, everybody can do the burpee. The burpee is your modulator, but 
for a lot of folks, it'll be a, more of a deadlift workout, more of a muscular overload sort of thing. So breaking up those deadlifts early, I do think there's a lot of benefit to doing kind of a descending rep scheme. The you know the set of nine, for example, four three two absolutely might be a little bit more efficient than three three three. But making sure that those athletes and what even if you're not like somewhere between tier that tier two and tier three, like getting into a good setup position, especially early on is, is super important. If you get, if you're moving fast, you're kind of excited. You pull a handful of lazy deadlifts like early on. It's like, you can get away with that, but that's going to come back around real quick in about, you know, minutes seven or eight. I mean, a right good on. litmus test for that, that tier of athlete is, you know, if you're going to break things up intentionally, maybe you have an amount of time in your mind that you're going to rest between your sets. You say, I'm going to do four and then I'm going to stare at the clock and it's going to go five, four, three, two, one, pick it back up. If your burpee pace is irresponsible or too fast where you can't keep that break consistent right there is a great indicator that you're pushing that burpee modulating pace a little too aggressively, which is pushing you outside of your ability to be able to be consistent in this workout. Because again, for the open, no standing around season, you are planning your breaks, but if you are deliberate with your breaks, you can remain consistent across the entire, entire 10 minutes instead of going super hot in the first five and then floundering the back half, maybe not even getting much back down the mountain there simply because you were going at a pace in your burpees that was just a bit too aggressive for what your current fitness level is. And for just one more nod for the affiliates, if you guys, if you all did do that Tuesday workout with a eight deadlifts and eight bar facing burpees, that's, you know, 40 reps of each, just a little bit under half of the total work that you're, were, you're hoping to do in this workout. Use that information, give that information to your athletes and say, hey, this is how long it took you to do this much of the workout. Here's how to kind of adapt that to a strategy of a similar but slightly different workout. Yeah, agreed. Um, I hesitate to say this, because it could be taken the wrong way. We'll tell you if you're fucked up, go for it. Well, no, it's very important. I know oh. that. I just don't want it to be misconstrued. You can go too slow. You can definitely go too slow in this workout. And it's the type of workout with enough metabolic demand. <laughs> and if and if you're a team misfit athlete, you know what less than half of this feels like already. So that's probably an indication. But that can ruin your workout. 10 minutes is not a very long time. Burpees can be slowed down. Bar facing burpees traveling a long distance can be slowed down to a pace where it doesn't doesn't matter at all. You can end up six to eight minutes into this workout and go, oh shit, I'm six to eight minutes into this workout. So so while the best of the best even need controlled chaos at the beginning, you can go too slow in this workout. Do not do that. Yeah, for sure. I uh, honestly like afterward just based on how I felt after I was like, I, I, I could have, it was, and I think I had the right strategy through about 80% of the workout. It was just where I turned it on. Yep. And I was like in, in the moment that like afterward it's hindsight's 2020, but of course I think I, you know, could, I mean, have. you went pretty hard at the beginning too. So like, that's a tough, you know, in the moment trying to figure that out. Yeah. Maybe I think, I think just knowing like, yeah, down to the five, like I think the, you got to make the evaluation, use the fives, use the fives on the back end as kind of your litmus test. There's 15 reps left of each. Like if you can do 15 unbroken deadlifts and 15 bar facing burpees pretty fast, then there's a good chance that you can do five, four, three, two, one of those right. pretty quickly. And I think that like, if I had to change one thing, it would have been to maintain, do almost exactly what I did all the way up until maybe the sixes and then tried to push it a little bit sooner. And maybe I would have been closer to the, the nine minute mark instead of, instead of where I 
I rounded out. So you definitely can go too slow. For sure. All right. Uh, so moving on to movements, um, make sure you check out. We did our quick tips again right before this podcast. We're going to get that up on, I say we, my part's kind of done. Um, mm. We're going to get that up on our YouTube as, <laughs> as soon as possible. But we cover the deadlift basics in this. And you'd think at this point in the season, that might be a little bit redundant. And then you walk into a gym and watch some really incredible athletes deadlift in a certain way. Mm -hmm. That's a bit of an issue. Um, super quick overview because the video is going to make it a lot easier. Felt bad for sure, but I had him in the low hang for a while. I saw good a bit practice. of the. <laughs> it's good practice. I saw, saw a little bit of the shimmy, the hundred deadlift shimmy that he that he had to do, or I don't know how many you did. <laughs> 90? It wasn't 100. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. It wasn't 100. God, you. It's close. The mood wasn't right at the beginning for any trolling, but I, Fuck. it sort of just fell out of me there. It was close. So, so the deadlift is an earth press. We are pressing the floor with our legs. We're driving through our legs to lift it up. What do you mean? Got a, lot, off the floor? a lot of athletes that get their butt too low, feet too wide, hands too wide, and try to pick the bar up off the ground. That is not what we are looking for in this movement. The earth press gets us to an excellent position where we have leverage in two different parts of our body with the barbell at our knee. Knees are almost locked out. Nice straight line up to the hamstring and then through the entire back down the hand or down the arm to the hand. And then from that point, typically well, I don't know. I don't know what the percentages of people who don't use their legs in the first pull and then do the crazy scoop diddy scoop in the second half. I'm not sure what percentage is there. It seems to me the type it's a of non-trivial thing. percentage. We'll put <laughs> yes. it that way. Yes. So um, let's just say you did the first part right. What we see go wrong after that is a softening of the knees, yeah, which say, the forces your butt to drop, which gets you into the... Um, I don't know if we're still allowed to joke about it. The Dave Castro uh, CrossFit total deadlift from Definitely way back in the day. Na -na 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 -na. Hip tuck. <laughs> exactly. Um, what we are looking for there, a lot of coaches will say glutes through, which is great. Hips through, you know, squeeze your butt and you'll get through. But we can still hitch at the knee while we are pushing our hips through and have it be an issue. So just make sure that while you're going, I guarantee there's going to be somebody else in your gym deadlifting. Watch that knee extension happen. The knees really like push towards that hyperextended position while the hips come through. If those knees soften or if the hips don't come through, obviously either of those would be an issue and can create what we're talking about. But we need leg drive to the knee, knee extension, hip extension. Yeah, an easy, an easy way to see this, you set up a camera at your profile, watch what happens with the bar past your knee. If the angle at your knee joint begins to close at all once the bar passes your knee, that's not ideal. That's the opposite of what we're looking for. Congratulations, so. you've achieved power position. <laughs> Congratulations, yes. you're doing limited you lifting. You finally got into the position you can't get into when you clean the bar. And <laughs> but again, once you watch that position, bar gets to your kneecap, you want to be thinking, open the knee all the way up open the hip all the way up. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. I think squeeze is a really good cue for a lot of athletes. Just think squeeze your quads, squeeze your glutes. Yep. And both of those things will happen simultaneously. Because you have two levers at work. You're not really doing much at that point, no. right? We got to get the bar moving up to the knee. That's the meat and potatoes of a deadlift. And then we just got to finish. It's got to move through. like six more inches at yeah. that point. It's not very far. <laughs> yeah. Not a big deal. All right. The burpee. Um, again, make sure you're checking out the 22.2 .2 quick <coughs> tips, but we are 
This is a, this is unique. It's another thing that we spent a little bit of extra time talking about. There's no upper body demand really in this workout at all. You guys didn't feel any issues Not with pressing up. No. But a lot of athletes who use too much upper body in the burpee also get into a worm position. And the easiest way to explain that is go grab yourself a paper clip and take a portion of it and just work it back and forth for a little while and see what happens to it. Doesn't doesn't go that well, right? So when when we are hinging at the waist and then worming into that overextended position in our lower back with our burpee, that's when you get those workouts where your body says, you are changing the direction of my damn spine under load dynamically, and we are going to protect it at all costs. Your workout is over. Your workout, yeah, exactly. And it's the open, right? So maybe you make it another round or two or three or four. Hell, maybe you finish the workout and then can't train for the rest of the year. Who knows? We want to eliminate those overextended positions. On the way down, that means sprawling, right? We used to have a few uh, wrestlers and you could hear the slap. (laughs) You could hear the slap on their way down. But again, you are really sprawling down and staying in a pretty neutral position. Looks yeah. like a push-up, right? When we're, we're, in, we're in that sprawl. We're making sure that the hip doesn't hit the ground with our shoulders still high, and then that drops. That's going to be that over overextended position that's going to turn you into the human broken paperclip at a certain point. On the way up, same concept. It is okay to have a bit more of a push-up because your hips and midline are going to be fried out in this workout. This is a midline workout. A lot of people won't know that until they do it. You'll find you're, out. You're going you're gonna to feel it. It is okay to have a bit more push than you normally would, but we need to stay low and we need to use the hips to come back up. So again, we're avoiding that overextended position. We've already alluded to a bunch of the footwork stuff. This is something where there's a bit too much nuance to try to, you know, I'm not going to like draw footsteps on a piece of paper because there are so many different styles with this. You need to know your jump and your step footwork and you need to do it exactly the same every rep. Only I was going to add for the burpee if you're wondering what you're, you know, you're not clear what Drew is saying here. As an athlete begins to push up, we want to make sure like from the shoulder to the hip, those things kind of rise somewhat simultaneously. Yeah. You don't have yep. the hips stay on the floor and the shoulders rise because then it again is going into that broken paperclip thing. So if you are a bigger athlete and you are getting a little bit of a press before your hips come up in the burpee, just make sure that your hips are kind of glued to your shoulders via your midline as opposed to just letting your rib cage fly wide open and then wondering why, again, you get to the round of seven does on the way up and you can't move anymore. Yeah. There's a lot of what would be considered CrossFit giants that have walked through the doors at misfit gym. We've had a lot of, you know, your six foot, 200 pound athletes and that realization, you know, not, not necessarily as a coach, it's kind of obvious from that standpoint, but realizing what happens as a big athlete when you stay low And for me, the cue that has always worked for myself and typically for others is your head is going to tell the story. Oh, yeah. So so when you're talking about staying neutral in that position, it's really hard to overextend when you let your head fly up. And it's also really hard to add unnecessary movement, which can happen to a lot of athletes once they slow down by standing all the way up. So for me, I'm thinking about all these other pieces. But if I'm like at some point feeling like I'm adding range of motion. I ask myself, okay, where's your head? Keep your head low. If you keep your head low, you're going to be able to stay in those positions. I would say this applies to the step version as well. If you are going to implement like a step up version, it can be really easy to kind of get 
like that again that kind of cobra pose seal pose step and then you bring your like leg up and all yeah. of a sudden you're in like happens both, a lot you're in the step up exactly yeah. you're in both an overextended position in your low back and you're rotating at your pelvis so like you can still kind of get like you said the hips and shoulders to come up together and then you bring that one leg forward just just for the love of god avoid that you know that cobra pose that seal pose because your low back's going to explode all right, mindset time. This this workout is unique in that again, shoot it like just absolutely blasting yourself out of the cannon doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It's not the type of workout where we're, you know, asking for that sort of sustained pace mindset. You do have to go hard in this workout. It is going to be challenging. Um before I give my sort of final thoughts on the concept. I do want to ask you how you feel about this. I know this isn't the, always the easiest topic for you because you're like, just keep trying as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. But you had moments where you had to switch some shit up. I saw you with some step back burpees. Mm-hmm. Is anything going through your head in terms of shit, this is hard. I can't do what I was doing before. How are you making that transition mentally to say, I'm going to keep moving and I'm going to have to alter my movement to do so, but it's the open. I need to keep moving. Is there any sort of mental piece with that or is it just uh, the history was, as an athlete? Yeah, I think, I think it's more like you have to, yeah, I think, I think it's the latter. I think it's knowing, knowing yourself and listening to these tips having watched, I did, I did actually, I don't always watch like the workout once it gets announced, I can hear it and I can just kind of like, okay, this is probably how it's going to go. But having watched Laura go out, probably a little bit too hot. I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't need to do that. I can actually break up my deadlifts. And as long as I don't stop moving, I can just based on how I'm feeling, I can dictate whether or not I need to drop the bar an extra time, or I need to speed up or slow down my burpees. So there's a, there's an element of trying to really, you know, let your judge count your reps have like, let your coach indicate where you're at, but you as the athlete, need to be focusing on how you are feeling and be willing to adjust kind of your speed, modulate your speed on both of these movements on the fly. Because if you just go into it with like, this is the strategy, this is what I'm going to do no matter what. And it's one of those days, every the, the deadlift is such a, not controversial, but there's, it's almost like there's two camps. It's either you really like it or you really fucking hate it. And if you're in the camp of, I really fucking hate it, then you have to be willing to adjust your strategy on the fly a little bit and kind of really get a feel like really just adjust based on how you're feeling in the workout. Um, so I, I did have, I, I don't think I intentionally, I, I know that I had some fucking wonky burpees i remember like a year or two ago when it was that snatch bar facing burpee workout i would do like the one arm fucking wonky yeah to me to me the that. the um, link to a mindset is where there's a will there's a way you know going into it that you are willing to put an amount of effort in that maybe some other people aren't and one of the reasons you are able to do that is because you keep that sort of at that steadier pace. Yeah. And you know, we talk in a lot of other episodes about the highs and the lows of being an athlete and trying to keep things a, a bit more even keel. But if you know that you are willing to, to sort of enter into that battle and go to that place, you are going to intuitively as an athlete, especially a higher level athlete, find a way to keep moving on your burpees. There's no, there's no reason to stop moving in this workout, especially if you're in that kind of upper tier two and tier one level, it's, 
it, it's adjust the strategy on the fly as far as like, oh, I thought this was going to be an unbroken workout to, oh, it's okay to do two sets. You don't get, we talk about it all the time. You don't get credit for lowering the bar down. Just put your hands back on the bar and keep moving. As soon as you finish the last deadlift, that is one thing that I kind of told myself. I was like, as soon as you finish the last deadlift, like put your face on the ground, like start moving. You just like, whether it's just letting gravity do the work and just sprawling, like the burpee is other one of those things where like, if you're moving, you're doing work. If you're not, you are not getting closer to the finish line. So just whatever it, whatever you do, whatever you do, just keep moving. Indeed. Um, so I'm a, a bit of a movie nerd and my mind is going to the like soldier or person that's trained once they hear that word, they're like, you know what I mean? They snap into it and they, you know, it's like, like they're just, you're hanging out and I just say like, like a bat signal. I just say Hakuna Matata and Sherb freaks out and runs out through the door and we <laughs> right. don't know why. Um, that is the type of thing where as a coach, knowing your athletes as that person, that's helping the athlete out. That's not the judge within these workouts. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and listen to the podcast, you know, like four or five podcasts ago where we talk about this, you know, sort of getting ready for the season. Um, you need to know what you need to say in that moment of be, of like, it is time to go stomp the gas pedal. And again, it's probably not Hakuna Matata. Um, it could be. Might be. Might be. Could be, you know, your athlete could be a huge Lion King fan. Huge. Huge uh, Lion King Yeah, fan. I'll, I'll, this is a kind of a funny story. We were doing the five rep max back squat retest. Yep. And I, like, <laughs> I don't. I know where you're going. You know, where, you know where I'm coming, coming sure from. Uh, and it was like, I, I don't, I don't coach until the, actually, I didn't coach at all that day. I was off that day, but I came in for the, the 5 p.m. class because I know, like, Sherb coaches it. He's going to bring the heat with kind of the vibe and it's five rep max day and people are fired up. And it was just like, I did my fourth rep and it was pretty fucking hard. And Sherb from like 30 degrees behind me, just, just, just like, doesn't even yell, just says it loud enough over the music. He just says, make the decision. And I was like, God fucking damn it. And I, the fifth rep, it was just like, I don't know. I sat at parallel for I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes before I finished standing the rep up. But it was like, it was just like, make the decision. Like you can do it. If you don't successfully do this, if you're in 22.2 partway through it and you stop moving, it wasn't because you didn't have it in you. It was because you just, dis- you made the decision to stop or right. you made the decision yep. to keep going. Absolutely. Any final thoughts, sir? Yeah, got baited into a trap this week. <laughs> got him. Yeah, you know, a little too fast. I know, last week talked about being pretty happy with the strategy of what the controlled chaos looked like in that workout. I think I got baited into a little too fast of a, a workout in the front half of this workout today. Um, kind of looking over at the clock as I finished the 10 burpees. I think I was like a little over five minutes and I knew that like, Granted, you're a little over halfway, but not that far past halfway. Uh, I think you have to be very controlled. Like you said a minute, a little while ago, like you need to know that the round of eight, nine, ten, nine, eight is like, what, 50%, 60% of the workout, yeah, if not more. So just, just know that you don't need to be some sort of maniac through the front half of the workout. Um, will give you a better chance to be proud of your effort at the end and not like limping home, which is what I felt like I did today. So I think there's a plenty to, to learn from if you watch you and I go side by side, whereas you made the choice to kind of finish strong and kind of stay in control and know what your pace was. I think I teetered the line a little too much on the reckless side of things today. And 
paid for it dearly kind of at the end because I did hear you say it a couple of times, stay moving, stay low. And I do think that the aggressiveness in the front half of the workout led to sloppiness in the middle of the workout, which bit me in the ass at the end of the workout. So learn from, from my lesson and be a little bit better about knowing that it's important to stay in control fast, but in control and knowing what your fast means. My fast is not your fast is not your fast. We all have a fast and a slow gear. And it's very personal. And you just got to know where that is for you. And realizing that like the difference between a burpee that takes three seconds and a burpee that takes four seconds matters across a hundred burpees. Yeah. So much of this for me always <clears throat> goes back to the lessons you learn on an assault bike. You know, you have the, mm -hmm. the the type of workout where you got to do like five fairly hefty sprints and you decide not to go. I whip my hair back and forth holding your breath for the first one. You're upright, you're breathing, but you're still giving That's it hell. Controlled send. Someone would be surprised if they saw your wattage when they walk over, right? Because normally you see on the bike, you hear the this person's, you know, heads flying back and forth, their elbows are at whatever it is. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Um, <laughs> and all right, <laughs> because you know, it's short, but there's some, you know what I mean? There's, there's still that thing that's continuing to happen. There's almost three parts of this workout, right? There's very much that, that beginning chunk of it's going to vary for some athletes. It's going to be, you know, maybe one through nine, or it can be all the way down to like one through six, but there you sort of that freebie range where we want you to keep moving. We want it to be controlled chaos. And if you have that athlete IQ, you know that you can keep breathing, that you don't need to stand all the way up. There's all these pieces that are going to dictate what that does to what's happening further down the line. So you've got that, you know, sort of that, that first portion. The second portion is really the like make or break time in the workout, you know, and again, for some athletes, it's six all the way back down to six. And for some athletes, it could be nine, 10, nine or something in that range. So, um, and then obviously we're, we're saying, you know, sort of let it go. Hakuna Matata at the end. Okay. Um, any other final thoughts? No, I, I think warm if I, up, <laughs> warm up. If I were to, for the misfits out there to kind of put it in your language, it's like a, like you said, it's a gas workout. I would say that it's like a, it's a sustained pace keeping in mind that sustain does not mean slow. It means sustain relative to how long the workout is and the, the effort that's required. And the I think breaking it into three kind of parts, getting basically that one through six, one through seven maybe is almost just the buy-in to the workout. Your strategy is really important in the middle portion and then like, you know, be thinking about how you feel coming into that last six you know once you once you hit that once the number six pops up your judge says hey you're in the round of six it's a quick it's a quick kind of game time decision about whether like i did this right i can really push the last 21 reps of each to the finish or nope i need another round or so to round and a half to catch my breath before i stomp the gas yep first third of the workout is controlled chaos second third of the workout is where there's a will there's a way yeah. Third part of the workout is Hakuna Matata. Run through a wall. That's 22.2. You know, I don't want this to get out like, you know, sort of to leak on Twitter or whatever. So I do have to admit that for this episode, I have been using performance enhancing drugs. I'm on what? Tylenol, nasal spray, and nootropics to try to get through this. And these lights are burning me alive. And grapefruit seltzer. This could Still be my waiting on that polar sponsor. This could be my flu game, like my coaching flu game, like Michael Jordan this? style. 
No, no, no. Uh, just doing this podcast. Oh, okay, gotcha, oh, gotcha. Or you had to bear with me, and thank you so much for doing so. <laughs> um, again, six different colors of the coach's pants. Sharpentheaxco.com. They're nice. The That's Misfit good, good Gym Portland collection will Better be there. Drop. This fly beanie that's making me a little too toasty under these lights. Uh, Tylenol's wearing off. <laughs> also, setting in. also available, sharpentheaxco.com. A special shout out to our boy, James Chatmas, behind the board back there, getting it done yeah. while Ted's out on the road. If you listen to this, then that means he did a fantastic job. And if not, then... In- <laughs> then you didn't. Fuck. Then you didn't. All right. Give it hell. We'll see you on the leaderboards. See ya.